Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Ah. Welcome back to the cottage. We're continuing our series in Joel. Last time we left off in chapter one. And now we are moving into chapter two. This is our first one in chapter two, where we just deal with the first two verses called Sound and Alarm. Well, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house in your midst as your children you call us to this place because you want to bestow upon us your grace in our time of need help us father to seek you as fine silver and fine gold help us to find our way even this morning as we turn to you in jesus my name we pray amen well, we've been in Joel, the book of Joel, and we did chapter 1, and we did the locust plague of an immediate judgment of God. And so it's kind of like, I don't know what you do when you see this. Do you know what to do when your check engine light comes on? Do you ignore it? Do you freak out? What do you do? But it's like God is sending a message to the people to check your engine, but you may ignore it. If you choose to ignore it, bigger problems may be on the way. Kind of also reminds me of, you know, they're ready to go, and then this shows up. What do you do when you see one of these? Uh, there was an old movie called Starman, and it was about this alien who came down to planet Earth, and he had ability to learn things really fast. And so um, they had to travel across the country to get from one place to another. And he watched the lady that he was with drive, and he said, I can drive. She says, you can. How do you, you never learn? He said, I watched you. I just do whatever you do. And so she was tired, and they needed to get somewhere to meet the other aliens coming across the country. So he takes over driving, and it's the middle of the night, and she's tired, so she goes to sleep, and she wakes up, and he comes across one of these, and what does he do? He floors it, and they almost get hit by a semi going through the intersection. A movie called Starman. So he's driving and he sees one of these and he floors the car, guns it, and barely almost gets hit by a semi. And she says, I thought you'd learn how to drive. He said, I did. You told me you learned. I said, I learned from you. Whenever it's red, stop. Whenever it's yellow, stop. <laughs> Whenever it's green, go. That's what we do, right? It's like a warning. Hey, you got to get ready. Something's happening. Now, what was interesting is when I was in Africa, these would come up, or Barbados, I can't remember which, different parts of the country or world, 
This would be the opposite. Red meant stop, green meant go, and yellow, interestingly, there was get ready to go. Because some people like, you know, the yellow light was to tell them, okay, it's getting ready for time for you to go. Are they? No, oh, I don't know. No, huh. oh, I don't know. Anyway, praise the Lord. But God has sent a warning, like a warning shot across the bow in, in Joel chapter 1. What do they do with the warning? Well, they're gunning it. They think they can just get through. They don't realize they're gunning it into danger. That's where we left off with Joel chapter 1. What about this? When the doctors call. Your doctor wants to see you. I scheduled an appointment with you tomorrow morning. Now you can't get a doctor's appointment for weeks, months. Robert's still waiting till October to see his doctor. But if they call you, what do you do? Panic. Exactly. Panic. Why? Because the doctor doesn't call you. Or you do this, right? <laughs> oh, please, please, please. Let it not be serious. Let's go. Crossing my fingers and hope not to die. Trying to get through, right? Well, that's what's going on. God is sending a, an alarm in Joel chapter 2, verse 1. We did chapter 1 last time. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Now they just went through this locust plague. And he's sounding an alarm to let them know. He's sounding an alarm. And this is the watchman on the wall who is supposed to watch over. Okay? He's supposed to be looking out to see if the enemy is coming and then he's supposed to sound the alarm like the smoke detector lets you know there's a fire. You've got to go to action. He's supposed to sound that alarm, but ironically, the question, it's, it's, it's very tricky in Joel chapter 2. Is the alarm sounding the watchman on the wall saying there's an army coming, or is it the army's alarm? This guy has hit the snooze button. Maybe he's fallen asleep on the job. Maybe the sound of the alarm could also be the trumpet of the army that's coming. The army that's coming. But the watchman on the wall is supposed to be looking out across the mountains and see if anyone is coming. This is a, a depiction of how it would look for the medieval period. Where he's looking out to see if he sees the enemy. And sometimes in the, in the medieval world, you would have signal fires where if an enemy came, then you would light a signal fire to call forth your allies. That an army is coming. You get word that through the spies that an army is coming. And you light a fire on the mountain and you send signal fires to the next mountain. And then they light a fire. And you're sending out a signal saying we need help. And it's going across from mountain to mountain in these signal fires. Letting people know, hey, please come. We need help. And the idea is if impending doom is coming, that we will then signal that we need help. And Joel saying in chapter 1, trouble is here. You need to be praying to God. You need to repent and ask for God to come and save you and send out these signal fires and send it to a far off and then those, your allies will see it and they'll know that the signal fires and now they will gather, gather their armies and come. But they're not doing anything. This is what's scary for Joel. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. 
we have uh, we have a, a problem. It's code red, condition red, red alert. We have a problem. We have a problem, massive problem. Red alert. But no one's listening, paying attention to the alarm. They've hit the snooze button. Supposed to, there it is. Red alert. I knew I had it set up here. Supposed to push the alarm. It's an SOS. Hello? SOS, call for help. It reminds me of Psalm 121. That psalm we all know. I lift up my eyes in the hills from whence my help cometh. When you look at those mountains, you're hoping that help is coming to save you. But unfortunately, in Joel chapter 2, the help that's coming, it is God. But He hasn't come to help. He hasn't come to help. He has not come to help them. He's come because they refuse to repent. For the day of the Lord cometh, he goes on in verse 1 of chapter 2. For it is nigh at hand. God himself is coming. Calling out, help me, but then God is coming because something else needs help. Because you have become the enemy of God. And it's, it's like I said before, it's like a white glove inspection. The, the boss is coming to inspect and what's he going to find? And we find that in the parables of Jesus. In Luke 12, for instance, verses 37 to 40. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. That they are busy, that they haven't fallen asleep. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. We keep talking about God coming, but do we really want Him to come? Are we in a position for God to come? Are we really praying to God for help? But on the other end of it, we have chosen not to repent. And I have been really hammered by this. God has really been doing this. This alarm that Joel is sounding in chapter 2 is kind of like the alarm in Isaiah 58, the fasting chapter in the Bible. It says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. There's that voice, that warning. Cry out and say, God, help. And show my people their transgression. He's saying to the prophet Isaiah, let them know. But, you know, when the doctor calls, you got cancer. But we can do something about it. We can either operate and remove the tumor, or we can do some chemotherapy, or we can do some radiation, we can do something. And they say the earlier you get to it, the better. And he's asking us to rightly align ourselves. And are we hearing that voice in the wilderness? Are we hearing the trumpet call? Are we sounding a trumpet alarm? Again, Isaiah, in the next chapter, after talking about fasting, says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. They're fasting and they're asking God, but God, they're praying, but God is not answering their prayers. He's saying it's not the fact that God cannot Say, we know God saves. What is it? Verse 2, Isaiah 59, 2. We were in 58, the fasting chapter. You can go through that. But now in 59, verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear you. 
least you repent. God wants to be with us. But it is our sins that separate us from God and from His salvation. And He's calling for us to turn from those things. Those things in our lives that we need to turn away from. That are not good. Always going to the doctor. What does the doctor tell you? Well, the doctor says you've got to quit this and quit that and change this. You can't eat that. You can't do this. You can't do that. What does the internet say? You can't drink the coffee. You can't uh, drink the water. You can't breathe the air. You... <laughs> what can you do? Why? It's all dangerous. But we don't want to. We don't want to listen to those healthy choices. We will not hear. And then because we will not hear, God will not hear. In Amos chapter 3, similarly, Amos the prophet says, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? The alarm has been sounded. Will that not cause people to fear? No, they've, they've heard it, the cry of the wolf. They've been told peace, peace, peace so long that they think that's not possible. Remember in the days of Hezekiah, the Assyrian army came up to Judah and says, We're going to conquer you. And God protected them. So they think God is going to protect them every time. And God is not going to protect them. Shall there be an evil city and the Lord hath none of it? God is bringing about this. Because they have chosen not to repent. And it's very dangerous. Surely the Lord will do nothing but He reveals His secrets unto His servants and prophets. God is speaking and He's trying through His prophets to tell His people. And they're not listening. And they're not listening in Joel. And the locust plague was sent as an act of mercy to get them to turn back towards God. But they turned away from Him. And He's trying to get them to turn back because if they don't, He's going to have to come. But if they repent, He will relent. We'll get to that. Verse 8 says, The lion hath roared, who will not fear? Except this time the lion is God. The Lord God hath spoken. Who can but prophesy? The prophet said we can't help it. We have to speak what God says. We have to speak the word of God. It's tough, but we have to. We went through this in Jeremiah 23. When we talked about Hananiah and Jeremiah in chapter 28 and prophet against prophet, we went through this. But if they, the prophets, stood in my counsel and had caused my people to actually hear my words, then they should have turned my people from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. If they truly heard from God, they would speak God's word that is to save us from our sins, from our evil doings, so that we will not do evil. Are we going to continue in that evil? Are we going to turn? And that's what God wants. He's asking in Joel, the, the transition between chapter 1 and chapter 2 is, if you hear and repent, and if you stop, there's mercy and grace. In other words, the locust plague to some is an act of judgment. But in essence, it's an act of mercy that God is trying to reach the people and let them know that if they repent, He will relent. In Jeremiah 6.16, we've also been in this verse many times this year. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask of the old paths, where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. They said, we won't do it. And at the end of Jeremiah, this is what they do. They tell Jeremiah after three deportations, 
They said, Jeremiah, ask God, what are we supposed to do? And Jeremiah said, but you won't do it. No, go ahead, we'll do whatever God says. And Jeremiah says, praise to God. And God says, stay right here. And what do they do? They pack Jeremiah up in chains and they go back to Egypt. Moses did all that trouble to get him out of Egypt. And they go at the end of Jeremiah back to Egypt. They refuse and they exit the promised land and they go back to Egypt. And how many people have left and exited the church? How many? How many? Because the church is meant for us sinners to come and experience God's grace to stop doing our evil. But people have left the church because we have been the evil. And it's very dangerous. Going on in verse 2, it's a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. Dawn is supposed to bring the sun. When you get up in the morning, you expect to see. The other day I was driving to work and a massive storm was south of us. And the weather forecast said it had no, no rain on it. But when I got up there, it was absolutely dark to the south. You're supposed to get up and see the sun. And what he's saying in verse 2 is, you're not going to see the sun. Instead of the sun and light coming, when you expect the dawn just to be another day, this time, darkness. Because God who gives light is going to do darkness. God is going to come and bring darkness. Clouds, spiritual warfare, the armies are gathering and they're coming. These clouds were what the gods rode upon and God is riding on the clouds, coming, but not to save, but coming because they have become the enemy. And morning is supposed to spread across the mountain, but instead it's darkness. A great people and a strong there hath never been like, neither shall there be more after it, even the years of many generations. As we talked about the generations, how my grandmother, or her grandmother actually, would talk about the Great Depression. Something that is generation altering. And there are times that, that we're going to have to change for this generation. And it, it reminds me, it harkens back to in Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? Now from the sixth hour, this is at noon, when you expect the sun to be the brightest, at noon there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Today it's supposed to get extremely hot. 100 degrees. The heat index by 430 is supposed to reach 110 degrees. But the day that Jesus died... Darkness came at noon when they expected the sun to be the brightest. Because it's an uncreation, it's an undoing of the cosmos. It's an undoing, and this is what God is prophesied through Joel that they are facing if they do not repent, if they do not relent, if they do not change, if they continue doing evil. It's one thing to do evil. We'll get into that. It's another thing to continue with it. Not stopping. 
goes on in Matthew 27, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. The earth did quake, and the rocks did rent, and it takes it back to the darkness in the time of Genesis 1-2. When the earth was without form and void, this wilderness, this desert, this darkness was upon the face of the deep, and then what happens? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Joel sent, as an act of mercy, God sent that locust plague in chapter 1, hoping they would repent. But they're not repenting. They're not getting it. They're hitting the snooze alarm. And then when Jesus died, he returned us back to the state of Genesis 1-2, so that, so that, we could start with new creation in Christ. And we have this idea in the prophets, divine judgment is described as a return back to that chaos. With the shaking of the heavens and earth, the earth shook. A shaking, returning back to this time period where God wants to recreate. He's telling them, I want to recreate you in Joel. I know your evil has taken you, but if you just repent, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. Joel 3, a fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth, and the land is as the garden of Eden before them. See, here's this language of going back to the beginning, back to the garden of Eden. This is where God wants to return them to. But to get them there, it's like the wildfires in Maui. I've got to burn everything that you have. I'm going to burn everything you have. so that I can bring you back. Before, it was Eden. Before it was Eden. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, when he drove them out of Eden, what happened? He drove out the man and placed at the east of the garden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way to the tree of life. They're separated by this fire. In Exodus, Pharaoh tried to attack the Israelites before they could cross the Red Sea and God stood between them as a fire to separate to purify to separate Pharaoh's army from God's people as a protection to purge them to protect them the fire and when we had the fall in Eden they are separated by fire and now this fire has come they know this fire well It's the fire that prevented them from going into Eden. And now they are facing the fire. God has sent his fire. And Hebrews chapter 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. And this fire separates them. It's designed, it's designed, this fire that's coming is designed to purify them, to bring the land back. But he has to undo so he can redo. Because what they have done. And he's asking for their participation in such. He's asking them to participate. Through their repentance. To participate in God doing this. When a doctor diagnoses you. When he figures out what is wrong with you, you go to the doctor and says something's wrong with me and he starts figuring it out and he works with you to diagnose you what the problem is and they give you the medicine in hopes the medicine is going to work. 
And he will tell you, he will prescribe what you are to do. Like my knee. I had no idea what was going on with my knee. So I went and I didn't even see the surgeon. Praise the Lord. I went to see the assistant. And the assistant was able to figure out what was wrong with my knee and tell me. And no medicine, no surgery. All I had to do was change and follow a certain exercise. Exercise is not fun. Nobody wants to exercise. Nobody wants to do it. But if I follow the prescribed exercises, then I would be fine. If I didn't, then maybe I'd require surgery because it'd get worse. By following that assistance advice and working with the doctor's office by doing those exercises I was able to overcome I was able to overcome there are many people in this world that can't get health care or they don't have health care like I said my my wife's how's it go her father's nephew's wife so I get, get it all confused how that works what the word is Needs a liver transplant. Okay. She's been, they've been doctoring her for, through this. But maybe in America, had she had insurance and gone sooner, they would have gotten the problem sooner and she would have been fine. But because they don't have insurance, because they, don't, they live out in the mountains, they don't see the doctors very often, they only go at the last minute. It's gone so far that it's out of reach. And now... It's in a liver transplant, and that's crazy. And it's, it's out of the reach of the family. But had there been a chance to get to that sickness sooner, the damage would not be so severe. Now, she's been doctoring this for the past, I don't know how many years, and we've not been sure what it is, and they've been trying to figure it out. But what I'm saying is, when the doctor speaks and when we go along with the doctor, it can go well for us. But when the doctor speaks and we don't listen, we only get worse. And then we start blaming the doctor. We don't listen to the prescription. In Joel chapter 1, in the beginning of Joel chapter 2, God is speaking. He's speaking. And saying, will you go along with me? We're going to do this. It's not going to be pleasant, but we're going to do this. And we go through the treatment together, we'll come out on the other side. Otherwise, I'm going to have to do it, and you're not going to like it. I don't know what the deal was with Jubilee. I have no idea. Like I told you before we had service, she's a little bit moody. Mama, all she wanted to do was clip her toenails. Simple thing, right? She fought and fought and fought and fought. Simple. Give me 30 seconds. Give me 10 toes. Snip, 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 snip. Done. No. Fight, kick, scream, holler. Because she doesn't understand. You're cutting a part of my body off. What are you doing that for? She can't comprehend what's the deal, why you want to do this. She thinks it's going to be painful. She's got all these fears inside of her. And all at least she wants to do is clip her nails. And she fought it. Are we fighting God? 
Are we fighting God? Are we going to go along with Him in His treatment? That's the transition from Joel chapter 1 into Joel chapter 2. God is inviting the people that if I can do it now, it's going to be a simple fix. Otherwise, if you fight me on this, I'm still going to try to save you. But I won't be able to save you all if you fight me on this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message of Joel chapter 1. And now as we begin in Joel chapter 2 and what you're desiring to do. We pray that we would hear. That we would participate in what you want to do. Father, our sins are many. Our sins are many. Have we turned away from them? And are we walking with you through the treatment of your grace to begin the healing of ourselves, of our land, of our nation, of others, and walking them through the treatment that you have? There are those of us who fight against you, even though you're desperately trying to save us. There are those of us who want to help others who are fighting your treatment. They're ruining themselves just like the people of Joel by not following your grace that leads them through your mercy to be set free from these sins. What separates us from you? What separates them from you? Our sins. What unites us? As soon as we repent and we turn from those sins. And your grace, through the cross, provides the treatment that we can begin to walk away from those sins and walk toward you and no longer do those things that we used to do. No longer do what the world does. No longer do. But we walk with you and do what you've called us to do. Help us to bring your healing grace to a land, to a world much in need when you're trying so desperately to reach us. In Jesus' my name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.